You're listening to the Free to Be Mindful podcast, which invites you along on a journey to learn of mindful living, grow in mental health, and inspire through personal growth. In a world where we can often feel much stress and overwhelm, this podcast provides bite-sized tips and real talk conversations, empowering you to embrace mindfulness and nurture your full potential. I'm your host, Vanessa de Jesus Guzman, educator, licensed professional counselor, entrepreneur, and mom. I'm passionate about helping others live life with peace of mind and ease of heart without losing their, well, you know, here we go. Hello and welcome to episode 184 of the Free to Be Mindful podcast. I hope that you're feeling good, looking good, and doing better in this world than you were yesterday. So because I've worked with kids for 20 years, which is even bananas to think about, I often look at things through the eyes of kids of various ages. It's just something that I naturally do. So when I think of the concept of love and what do kids love, things that quickly come to mind include funny faces, silly sounds, boys will love anything having to do with bodily functions and the sounds that those make, (laughs) dressing up, costumes, and making messes, and having fun while making a mess. Preteens and teens love hanging out with their friends, their phones, TikTok, and other platforms, and teams that they play on or that they're a part of. And we as adults, we love our cars, homes, careers, we're lucky, the stock market, depending on the day, and going on vacations. But when you ask a person in their much older stage of life, their first answers generally tend to be their family, their pets, seeing their children and their grandchildren grow up, and just spending time with those they care for. I personally love the way the Greek language describes these various forms of love. In ancient Greek, there were three primary words that were used to describe different aspects or different types of love. The first one being eros. Eros or eros refers to romantic or passionate love, particularly the type of love characterized by desire, attraction, and longing. In Greek mythology, Eros was the god of love, depicted as a young-winged boy with a bow and arrow capable of causing people to fall in love. Think current-day Cupid. So the word Eros is often associated with physical and sexual attraction, as well as the intense emotional connection between partners in a romantic relationship. And then there's Philia, which represents the love between friends or companions. Think of the city Philadelphia, meaning brotherly love. It's different from Eros because it's not driven by this physical attraction or romantic feeling, but rather by mutual understanding and support. It is a deep and genuine affection that is based on mutual respect, trust, and companionship. Philia encompasses camaraderie and the bonds formed through shared experiences, interests, and values. And finally, there's Magape. Agape is often described as selfless, unconditional love characterized by altruism, companionship, and goodwill towards others. Agape is often associated with acts of kindness, with charity, and self-sacrifice, reflecting a profound concern for the well-being and the welfare of others. It's like a universal and all-encompassing love that extends beyond romantic or familial relationships to include love for humanity, nature, and even for one's own enemies. 
And I really like these three concepts of love as described in the Greek language because it provides a nuanced understanding of the different dimensions and expressions of love in human relationships and society. And it represents varying degrees of emotional attachment, from passionate desire to deep friendship to selfless compassion, each of the three playing a unique role in shaping human connections and interactions. But when I really think about it, as much as I love these terms, I don't really know if they're truly all-encompassing, because it leaves me wondering about the concepts of falling in love with an experience, or when you feel aligned and with purpose in life. And it leaves out the concept of self-love, which I know can sometimes sound corny to many. But I believe that this is because we're taught to not be egotistical or selfish. But the reality is, my friends, that self-love is not selfish. When we learn to pour into ourselves, we learn how to see what we're worth and we learn how to give ourselves grace on how to be easier on ourselves. And we tend to also have a greater self-image, which impacts self-confidence, which then benefits the way that we show up with others. It helps us really see how capable and beautiful we truly are. And I think that in our society, especially women and most especially mothers, we're all missing a whole lot of that. It discussed the aspect of self-love in episodes eight, titled Self-Love, and in episode 64, titled Seven Pillars of Self-Love. So thinking about the concept of love, when we think of the feeling of love, many think of those fuzzy feelings, right? The giddy feelings when your baby smiles at you for the first time, the butterfly feelings when you have your first crush, the intense passion felt in romantic or intimate love, or the feeling of warmth when we hug a parent or grandparent. And these physical feelings aren't just based on emotional feelings, they're actually also based in science. Love has many benefits on our dopamine levels, on our mental and physical health, and can even be used as a way to reduce stress and increase self-esteem. Here are a few examples. First, there's brain chemistry. So when you fall in love, your brain releases chemicals called neurotransmitters, such as dopamine, oxytocin, and serotonin. And dopamine is associated with that pleasure and reward center, oxytocin with bonding and attachment, and serotonin with mood regulation. These chemicals create feelings of happiness, attraction, and emotional connection. And then there's attraction and lust, which typically describes what we feel during those initial stages of romantic love. And this can be driven by physical attraction, as well as factors such as shared interests, values, personality traits. In this stage of attraction and lust, the brain's reward system is activated, leading to intense feelings of excitement and desire. Then there's also attachment and bonding. Think about it. As a relationship progresses, feelings of attachment and bonding become more prominent. This involves the release of oxytocin, often referred to as the love hormone, which promotes feeling of trust, intimacy, and connection. Attachment is strengthened through shared experiences, emotional support, and of course, physical closeness. 
And while we may not have this next aspect always at the forefront of our minds, it does exist. And I'm talking about evolutionary factors. So from an evolutionary perspective, love serves as a crucial function in promoting reproduction and the survival of offspring. Bonding and caregiving behaviors increase the likelihood of successful reproductions and nurturing of offspring, which contribute to the continuation of the species, whether we're talking about monkeys or humans or anything in between. And when we hear about many things in life, especially under the umbrella of nature versus nurture, the almost opposite to evolutionary factors can be physiological factors. And what I mean by that is that love is also influenced by the physiological factors such as attachment styles, past experiences, and cultural norms. Attachment theory suggests that early childhood experiences with caregivers shape our attachment styles in our future relationships, influencing how we perceive and how we even respond to love. Then there's also long-term relationships. Maintaining love in long-term relationships involve factors such as communication, trust, commitment, and shared goals. And over time, the initial passion may evolve into a deeper, more enduring love characterized by companionship, mutual respect, and emotional intimacy. And finally, there's love and well-being. Research suggests that experiencing love can have positive effects on both physical and mental well-being. Loving relationships are associated with lower levels of stress, improved immune function, and greater overall happiness and life satisfaction. The science of love reveals that love is a complex interplay of biological, psychological, and social factors shaping our experiences of attraction, attachment, and emotional connection in relationships. And when we use love as an action and way of communication, instead of just a concept, we help with healing, with learning and understanding our own needs and expectations, as well as those of others. But despite it being a science, it's not always so black or white, because sometimes we can't pinpoint why certain things attract our energy or what it is about someone that draws our attention to them. We just know that it gives us adrenaline or that it makes us feel safe. Take a moment to think about the types of people that you typically have good chemistry with. Why do you think that is? How do those match with the things that you see in yourself or the things that you might want in life? And maybe how do they differ? And after reflecting on all of this, how do you express all this love? I always find it interesting when people like friends and colleagues end conversations with, I love you. Because despite me using the phrase with my husband and with my son, I don't often use it with others who I may indeed love and care for, but I just personally don't use that phrase so loosely. I much rather express my care for people through my own love language or I try to meet their love language. I go into the detail of love languages in episode 137, Fostering Healthy Relationships, and in episode 132, Nourishing Our Relationships Via Our Love Languages. It's interesting because regardless of the type of love that we experience, there just isn't a blueprint for the relationships that we want to create in our lives. Love could be for family or those that we consider family, and someone could be our best friend or our twin flame or our soulmate, life partner, or just friends we develop friendships with throughout the course of decades. 
And love is always ever-changing. There's love in our actions, love in the connections we make, and love that guides our decisions or our mindsets. There's platonic love, romantic love, selfless love. And if love is truly real love, there's a lot of it rooted in our understanding and gaining perspectives of others. And know that passing moments, new experiences, and even strangers are capable of teaching you what love is and impacting how you view love. And just like love can be found, love can also be lost. Distance, miscommunication, or simply accepting that some things are meant to be temporary may contribute to this. But other times, the pursuit of rekindling love and connection can be present even when differences do exist. In fact, love is what helps bridge these differences or find peace in the mess of it all. And while society almost trains us to believe that Valentine's Day is the only time of the year to celebrate love, know that love exists timelessly. But that doesn't mean that there aren't disagreements, stressful situations, whether personal or professional. It doesn't mean that we live in a changing world and that being around a lot of people can sometimes be overwhelming and can sometimes bring out intense emotions that don't serve us or don't serve the connections we make. In times like this, we need more foundations or more concrete foundations of love. And the answer to this can be found in our own personal reflections, our own self-awareness, and developing wider perspectives on life. So my friends, know that love comes in many forms, and cultivating it is important for the growth in all of the relationships we have in our lives, whether it's the ones that we have with ourselves, our loved ones, or even strangers. We use this love to connect and communicate And when used properly, it can really lead to healthier and happier lives. When we nurture the connections we make and embrace the relationships that we create, we see the value of understanding ourselves, working through conflicts, and finding peace and beauty in the journey. So whether you're listening to this around Valentine's Day or throughout any other time of the year, I wish you all a beautiful journey of self-love and loving others. So right now, regardless of where you are or what you're doing, bring your awareness to your heart center, to the area in the middle of your chest. Visualize a warm glowing light coming from this space, representing the love and compassion you have for yourself. As you continue to breathe gently, repeat the following affirmation silently or out loud to yourself. I am worthy of love and kindness. I forgive myself for any mistakes or shortcomings. I accept myself fully and completely just as I am and I deserve happiness and inner peace. With each affirmation, feel the warmth and acceptance radiating from your heart center, enveloping your entire being into a blanket of self-love. Take a moment to reflect on moments in your life 
when you have shown yourself love and compassion. Recall the times when you have overcome challenges or extended kindness to yourself. Gently bring your awareness back to your breath, inhaling deeply, feeling the nourishing energy of self-love filling you up and exhaling any remaining tension or self-doubt. Know, my friends, that you can carry this sense of self-love and compassion with you as you go about your day, knowing that you are worthy of love both from yourself and from others. And know that in a world where you are free to be anything that you want to be, you are always free to be mindful. Catch you next week.